well, the research has been done and the verdict is in. Doesn't matter how much you run, how many miles, how many steps you take, how many reps and sessions you do on the rowing machine, how many times a week you lift weights. In the end, there just is no way to out-exercise a bad diet. And I know that's bad news for some who would love to just eat whatever we want, whenever we want, with the mindset of, I'm going to make up for this when I get on the treadmill. But the reality is, we can't just flow in and out of little Debbie Kate comas and hit the treadmill and make everything right. We can't do it. There's a stigma about healthy food. There's this idea that whatever is good for me tastes terrible, and whatever is bad for me tastes great, and people find themselves stuck between a dilemma. They've got to make choices. Either be satisfied with my meal and unhealthy, or if I want to be healthy, I've got to be dissatisfied with what I eat. But either way, this dilemma arises. You know, the same thing happens spiritually. People think they have to make those kinds of choices. The Bible often describes its words as food to be digested. Psalm 119, 103, the word is sweet to my taste, sweeter than honey to my lips. First Peter two and verse two describes scripture as the sincere milk of the word. And sometimes the Bible says not only is it food and drink, but it also encompasses a diet that we're to partake of and to have a healthy diet, just like with food. It's a false dilemma, a false dichotomy. It's not be healthy or be happy. You can have both. And the Bible says we can have and must have the very same thing. The way the Bible often describes this, with the word being our diet and our need for a healthy diet, it uses this phrase. Maybe you've heard it before. Sound doctrine. The word for sound that's often used in our New Testament, it means that which is healthy or that which is wholesome, that which is good for the individual. When it's paired with that idea of sound and doctrine, it's dealing with teaching. What we've been taught as far as instruction, it's a favorite word of Paul's. He uses it in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 3, twice in 2 Timothy in chapter 1, verse 13, chapter 4 and verse 3, and then three times in the book of Titus. Titus 1, 9, Titus 2, 1, and then Titus 2 and verse 8. Paul talks about sound or healthy doctrine or teaching, and he says we need it in order to survive and be the people that God would have us to be. And yet the same dilemma that arises for many physically often arises spiritually. People think about a congregation with which they're going to assemble. And in their minds, they think they've got to make choices. Either I'm going to be a part of a church that is vibrant, engaging, fun, filled with activities, but sort of on the shallow end as far as the teaching goes. Or I'll go to a place that has the right doctrine. It's correct. It's without fault and error. But it'll be stale, boring and dry as I endure it. And we think we've got to make these choices. It's one or the other. But what if the Bible says we can and must have both? When Paul wrote First Timothy, First Timothy, chapter three, he wrote to the young preacher that was there in Ephesus. And in chapter three, in verse 15, he says, I wrote to you that in my absence, you and the other Christians in Ephesus might know how you ought to behave in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. First Timothy was written in six chapters to help the church be who and what she needed to be. And as you survey the history of Christianity in Ephesus, it's impressive to see. That Paul had been there. Aquila and Priscilla had been there. Apollos had been there. Timothy and even John. And yet in chapter one, Paul leads off and his first point of emphasis is making sure that we get the doctrine right. In Christianity, it matters what we're taught because what we're taught influences how we behave. The teaching has to be healthy. The doctrine we digest and ingest 
It needs to be sound. If we're going to be pleasing to God and be the people he wants us to be, what we're taught matters. Sometimes Christians have the dilemma. There's this idea that in our minds we think, I'll just fill up on doctrinal junk food. And I'll make up for it with many acts of Christian service or with spiritual exercise. But what's true about our bodies is also true about our souls. There is no way to out exercise a bad diet. We need sound doctrine and healthy teaching so we can be the people that God wants us to be. If you have your copy of God's word, go ahead and turn to First Timothy chapter one. And if you want an outline of the sermon, if you just leave First Timothy one open on your lap or on your phone, it's yours. First Timothy chapter one emphasizes the importance of doctrine. And what I want us to do using first Timothy as our roadmap is to notice five reasons why sound doctrine is important. Five reasons of why healthy teaching is a must. There are many things that happen in the life of a congregation of God's people. But at the top of the list has to be must be sound and healthy instruction for our very physical lives as a congregation and our spiritual lives also as individuals. Five reasons of why sound doctrine is important. Number one, sound doctrine is important. It's vital because it offers us a proper view of God. That's verses one and two of chapter one. Paul begins by introducing himself. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the commandment of God, our savior and Christ Jesus, our hope to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy and peace be to you from God, our father and from Christ Jesus, our Lord. Number one, sound doctrine, healthy teaching and Christianity matters because it furnishes us with a proper view of God. Paul's going to talk a lot about doctrine in the book we know as first Timothy, but he leads off in the first two verses by emphasizing who God is and linking that together with what it means to have sound and healthy doctrine. Notice what he says about God right here in the first two verses. He says God is our savior and he is Isaiah 43 and verse 11. Jesus Christ is our hope and he is the hope of glory. Colossians 1 and verse 27. God's our father, Romans 8 and verse 15, and Jesus is our savior, Revelation 19 and verse 16. Paul begins by saying, if you want to make sure that the teaching you digest is healthy, it starts by appreciating that you and I need a proper view of who God is. It helps us to see clearly healthy biblical teaching as we open up the word of God, read it and apply it properly. It opens up our view and helps us to see God as he truly is. You know, the history of eyeglasses is sort of a mixed bag. Some people say the Romans started in about 400 A.D. using glass to sort of help their vision. Other people say in the 13th century, a man by the name of Salvino D'Armati was the first person to come up with eyeglasses. And it was later perfected by Benjamin Franklin in the 1700s. Whoever came up with it, here's what we know. Many people here this morning, without them, we would be on the eternal squint committee, unable to see anything. Whether far or nearsighted, what glasses do is they open up our vision and help us to see what would otherwise be blurry or unclear. And Paul starts out this book by saying sound doctrine serves as the spiritual eyeglasses to help a humanity who would otherwise be unable to see God as he truly is. Healthy biblical teaching opens up the eyes of those that are spiritually farsighted. They have a great vision of God from a distance, but they need to come up closer to him and see him in all of his glory. Isaiah six, one through three. It serves as a corrective for the spiritually nearsighted that are very close to God in their relationship, but fail to appreciate his glory and his transcendence. In Exodus three, five and six, when Moses came into the presence of God, you remember what God told him? Moses, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground and sound doctrine, sound instruction 
gives us a proper view of who God is. We need this lest we fall into the human temptation of making God in our own image. Psalm 50 and verse 21, the psalmist says about people, you thought that God was such one like yourself. I'll reprove you and show you the way in which you ought to consider me. We need healthy biblical teaching because the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the biblical realities about who he is must be taught, unpacked, and emphasized repeatedly so we can be the people God wants us to be. In 2 Corinthians 13, at the end of that book, Paul says in verse 14, Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We need to see God as he clearly is, and only through healthy and sound instruction are we able to do that. It's not just in 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you have your Bible, just mark some of these the way Paul emphasizes God's identity throughout the book. Listen, we need to appreciate that a proper view of God is not just one of the pegs on which sound doctrine hangs. It is the thing that drives every other doctrine. It changes the way we view the Bible. God is not garnished in our theology where we get around to our issues and we throw God on at the end. He is the thrust of everything. And to properly see scripture in Christianity is to properly view God. First Timothy, chapter one and verse 17. He's the eternal and the only wise God. First Timothy, chapter two and verse five. He is the one God and the one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. In chapter three and verse 16, he's the God who was manifest in the flesh and then taken up to glory. In chapter 4 and verse 10, he's the savior of all men, but especially of those who believe. Chapter 5 and verse 21, he's surrounded by an innumerable host of angels. And then in chapter 6, verses 13 through 16, Paul says he is the one who gives life and breath to everything. Only through a healthy diet of the word of God do we come to see God as he truly is. And Paul won't get out of chapter 1 without saying, stop and wait a minute. And see God as he truly is. You need a proper view of God and sound and healthy instruction helps us to do that. Maybe you have loved ones who've passed or maybe even a loved one that hasn't passed, but maybe a friend you haven't seen in a long time. And because of your interaction with this person, you just assume and maybe you're right. You know them so well. You say things like, you know, if so and so was here, she'd really like this song. I hadn't seen him in a long while, but that car, that looks like a car Brian would appreciate. He would really like that car. And maybe we think, well, we know people well enough. Hey, we know what kind of food they like to eat, places they like to visit. And it's probably true in human relationships. But we must always be reminded none of us knows God that well. None of us can sort of surmise our way around and say, you know, I think God probably likes this or God would appreciate that. No, God has to be revealed and through healthy and sound instruction. We let God tell us who he is himself. We live in a world in which people are struggling. So many people believe either the universe is eternal and it's God and it can credit itself with this existence. Or they come along and say, well, maybe there is a higher power, but we probably shouldn't be too dogmatic. Paul writes to Timothy in first Timothy and he says, be sure, be dogmatic, insist on these things. First Timothy four and verse 11. God has shown us who he is, but it's through sound and proper teaching that we come to appreciate it. Now, here's number two. First Timothy, chapter one. Why does sound doctrine matter? Why is it important? It's in verses three and four. It guards against error. 
It guards against religious error. Notice verse 3. It was read for us a moment ago by Todd. Paul says, as I was going into Macedonia, I urged you to remain at Ephesus and charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to myths and endless genealogies, which render speculations rather than the stewardship which comes from God, which is by faith. Number two, why does sound doctrine matter? Why does what we're taught by the Bible in public settings like this one and on our in our own individual studies matter? Because it helps us not to be deceived and to guard against religious error. The word that Paul uses in verse three for teach no other doctrine, he's going to use it again in chapter six and verse three. If you turn over there in chapter six and verse three, he's going to say something about those who would teach another doctrine and they don't consent to the wholesome or the healthy words of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul's driving at here is make sure, Timothy, as you're in Ephesus and the other Christians that make up the church there, make sure that everybody to the truth. Make sure that everybody's spiritual diet is on par with the word of God. And the only way that happens, the only way we guard against error is through sound and healthy instruction. I wish I could tell you that every time somebody stands up before you in an audience like this one and they have a Bible in their hand and they claim to love Jesus. I wish I could tell you every time that you wouldn't be led astray, that you wouldn't be deceived. But may we not be so spiritually naive that the only thing that matters to us as the sole indicator of truth is a person's good intentions. The New Testament doesn't let us out of the blocks without emphasizing over and over again that each one of us bears a personal responsibility to make sure we're taught the truth. This point matters because it helps us from it keeps us from doing silly and sincere things that are greatly mistaken. We wouldn't say things like, well, Hiram, I know I know they don't teach the truth. I know that. But I went to this religious service because, well, my grandson was being baptized. And I mean, I just had to be there to see it, even though it's not what the Bible says. They said they would go with me. I know I went there. They taught things that aren't in the New Testament, but it was sort of an exchange. They went to my church service. And as a result, I'm going to theirs. Read Paul's words again. Sound doctrine matters so that we're guarded against error because we're not allowed to teach whatever we want and teach any other doctrine except what we find in the New Testament. Notice how many times the New Testament talks about making sure we inspect what we hear. First Thessalonians five in verse 21, Paul says, test everything, hold firm and fast to what's good, abstain from every form of evil. Or first John four in verse one, he says, my beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they come from God, because many false teachers have gone out into the world. And second John nine through eleven, John says, if anybody comes to you and doesn't receive this teaching, You don't receive him into your house or give him a freely greeting. In that context, John was saying, don't do anything that would communicate to them that what they've taught you is okay." And Jesus says, beware false teachers. You'll know them by their fruit. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Question, what's going to keep us from being just carried along with every new religious fad? What's going to keep us anchored in truth, biblically and doctrinally is sound and healthy instruction. When I was in preaching school, I was able to go to this small congregation on occasion and preach in their services. They were helping me kind of be fine tuned as a student. One of the guys that was there, his name was Larry Schatzer. His wife's name was Janet. She worked in the bank for years. And one day after service, she was a teller and she did a lot of other things in the bank. But one day after service, we were talking about her career and her life. And in the process of talking about what she did at the bank, one day I said, Miss Janice, when you worked at the bank, now this was long before the days before everything was done with plastic. I said, were you ever were you ever deceived with a counterfeit bill of some sort? She said, no, I don't really recall. I said, well, how did you stay on top of things? She said, Hiram, let me tell you, 
Crooks are smart. Humanity is clever. She said the banks would often get us together and they would just tell us nobody here has the time, resources and intellect to stay on top of every deception that's going to come in. So what we want you all to do as tellers is to study the genuine dollar bill well enough that you'll know this and you'll know when you don't see it. And religiously speaking, none of us, nobody in this auditorium, nobody in the world is smart enough has the resources or the time to stay on top of every theological error, every new religious fad that's going to come along. So how are we not carried away with it? We spend time studying the genuine article of New Testament Christianity. Listen to Jesus. If you continue in my words, then you're my disciples. Indeed, you'll know the truth and the truth will liberate you. It'll set you free. John 8, 31 and 32. Sound doctrine matters because it helps us to guard against error. Christians were told false teachers will come among you just like they did in the past. Second Peter two and verse one. Jude ends his book in Jude 17 through 19. Remember the words of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ and how they told you individuals will come in devoid of the spirit to lead you astray. You make sure you hold firm and fast to the doctrine and don't deviate from it. Make sure that you guard yourself against being deceived with religious error. And every one of us needs to do this so that we're not mistaken so that we're not carried away with what sounds nice. We live in a world of a fountain and stream of information. There's blogs and podcasts, YouTube videos and TikTok channels. And rarely does a week pass except a friend of mine or somebody in another place sends me a video and says, hey, this person said this about the Bible. What do you think about this and how do we stay on top of it? We learn the scriptures. And I know you might be thinking, well, praise God at Lehman. We've got two preachers. We got twice as much of a chance of getting it right. The reality is there is no proxy Christianity. No, you bear a personal responsibility to know the word of truth well enough so that you're not deceived. More than that, it's not just our responsibility to receive healthy teaching and sound doctrine. As a Christian, you ought to demand that it's so and don't settle for anything less. So if somebody comes along and they say, well, all you have to do is believe that couldn't be right. Acts 2 and verse 38 says repent and be immersed. All churches are the same. Everybody's doing their best to get it right. That couldn't be right because Jesus has promised to build his. Matthew 16 and verse 18. I don't live like I should, but at least I always attend church. The least I do is come to church services. That couldn't be enough. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We're to bear the evidence of the spirit in our lives to produce the fruit of the spirit. For every false doctrine that will come up, the way that we guard against it, taking us along with it, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, is to know and love the truth. Now, here's number three. It's in First Timothy, chapter one. Paul says, Timothy, doctrine matters because it helps us to prioritize the main goal. Now, verse five is a verse you want to underline, you want to highlight, you want to know this one, because Paul says one of the reasons why false doctrine, why healthy doctrine matters in verse five, it helps us to prioritize the main goal. Notice what he says. The end of our commandment, your translation may have the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul gives a threefold reason for why this is important. And when we know the Bible and when we handle the scriptures aright. It's going to help us to maintain our focus on the main goal and to discard things that are peripheral to our purpose as the people of God. Paul mentions three things. Love from a pure heart. What does that mean? It means from our hearts flows this pure love because we first been loved. First John four and verse 19. By the way, all three of these in verse five deal with how we treat other people because the doctrine that we've imbibed has had an influence on us. Love from a pure heart that goes out because of what's come in. 
a good conscience. That means I know the gospel and I'm not living a double life in which I'm betraying my own convictions. I'm living like I should, but I'm also spiritually mature enough to know the mandates in Christianity and then the optional matters of judgment. And I don't go around pushing my opinions on other people. I've got a good conscience. Romans 14 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians 8, and then sincere faith. Sincere faith is what Paul's going to say in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5 was true about Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois. He says, when I call to mind the sincere faith that dwelt in them first, and I know it's in you. What is sincere faith? Sincere faith means I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not living a double life, but I'm also not living a perfect life. Sincere faith means I do what I do for God and in Christianity, not for show, but because I really believe it matters and makes a difference. Paul says this is the goal of our instruction. This is the aim. Healthy teaching keeps us from being distracted. And it allows us to stay the course and not get off base. There are so many things that come into our minds as Christians that come into congregations and we think, well, this is pretty important. No, this is pretty important. Healthy teaching says focus on what really matters. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. You hold firm and fast. Richard St. John is a man who's been called a success expert. His TED talk, it was released in 2005. It's been viewed 10 million times. He did a thousand interviews. He interviewed people like Richard Branson, Bill Gates, Martha Stewart, and he was trying to figure out what makes a person successful and how do we define success? He said a lot of things, but here's how he summarized it. St. John says that in the end, true success boils down to one thing. All these people I've interviewed, they've succeeded in various fields. He says it boils down to focus. He says people that are successful are not jacks of all trades. He says in the end, they're terrible at everything. Good at one. They focus all of their energies on one thing and in one direction. So in that thing, above everything else, they can truly be great. You hear his words and you might say you're probably right. Maybe St. John's exaggerated the case a little bit, but not much. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above Colossians three and verse one. And Paul says right there in your Bible in first Timothy one and verse five, the goal of our instruction, the aim of our charge, the bullseye we want to hit is love from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. That means every time you hear a sermon like this one, every time you come out of a Bible class like the ones we were just in an hour ago, every time you hear a lesson, A two word question should rise in your mind when this service is over. This question should be on every heart in the auditorium. So what? I mean, I've heard all this information. I heard all these verses quoted and referenced. I might have even taken notes, but so what? What have I heard today that helps move the mission of Christianity forward? What have I heard today that's going to help me keep my heart pure, my conscience firm and my faith unhypocritical? What have I heard today that's going to help me Better serve almighty God because there is a goal in our instruction. Would you notice the comparison in verse four and verse five in verse four? The false teachers go on and on. There's endless speculation. But in verse five, Christianity actually has a goal. It's going somewhere. False teachers get up and they talk on and on. He says endless genealogies. They bring up more questions. You walk away wondering. I know less than I knew before this, but not with true Christianity. There is a goal to the instruction. It's going somewhere. He uses a Greek word the telos. The complete goal of where everything's headed and sound doctrine matters because it helps us to prioritize the main goal. 
I wonder how many cars of the people that make up this auditorium, how many of our cars have that lane departure signal? Does your car have that? You're driving down the road, you get out of the lane, it either vibrates, sometimes it automatically tries to correct you. What is your car doing? Your car saying, hey, you're kind of veering off, you want to stay the course. Now, human beings, we're smart, right? And so we can go in and we can undo that. We can just take that off and say, listen, I know how to drive, right? And I, getting a one centimeter out of the lane to the right or to the left, look, it's really going to make no difference in the grand scheme of things. I don't need anybody correcting me. Paul says sound doctrine that you find in the New Testament serves a spiritual lane departure service for you. As we find ourselves maybe making God more strict than he is and veering off to the right, Paul says, no, wait a minute, get back center. We find ourselves loosing where God is bound and we're going a little bit to the left. Paul says, wait a minute, you need to get back center and don't you ever turn it off. Order my steps according to your word. Psalm 119, 133. Show me the way that I need to go. Psalm 143 and verse eight. Point me in the right direction. And that happens through sound and healthy instruction and teaching. As we digest the word of God, he corrects us. Listen, sometimes our view of God is too small, too narrow, too strict. Only does healthy teaching say lift up your eyes and see God as he truly is. Hold all of the attributes of God together without tension. His goodness and his severity. Romans 11:22. his love and his judgment. Revelation three and verse 19, his nearness and yet his awesomeness. Acts 17, 25 and 28. And make sure that you remember the goal. The goal of Christianity is something Paul says is right out in front of you, but you've got to make sure you hold to the doctrine so you don't miss it. If we're not careful, our version and view of Christianity can boil down to how right we are above everybody else, how wrong everybody else is getting it, how everybody else needs to change and how the whole world needs to change. And in so doing, we've gotten off course and we've forgotten the main thing which is not to change everybody else, but ultimately to change ourselves. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me, Psalm 51 and verse 10. Paul says, don't forget the goal. And the only thing that will ensure that we don't is sound and healthy instruction. Here's number four. First Timothy chapter one, verses six through 11. Why does sound doctrine matter? Why does healthy instruction matter? Because it makes us use scripture properly. It involves using scripture properly. In verses six through 11, Paul talks about these false teachers that would come into the church at Ephesus and elsewhere. And Paul says in verse six, they've swerved away from the truth. Verse seven, they desire to be teachers of the law, understanding the things that they don't understand the things they teach or the things they make confident assertions about, the things that they boldly proclaim. Paul says they're false teachers. We would like to think that, hey, he quoted the Bible. That was accurate. He used scripture that has to be right. But what Paul drives at here from verse six down through verse 11 is this. You can teach the wrong thing from a good text all day long. Just because somebody quotes a passage and quotes it verbatim doesn't mean they're handling the Bible right. These false teachers will come into these churches and take the Old Testament and use it in a way that God never intended. They come to these Gentiles and say, you know, if you really want to be saved, you're going to have to be circumcised. And you've got to keep the law of Moses and the Levitical food laws are still on the books. Notice what Paul says in verse eight. We know the law is good if one uses it correctly or lawfully. The Old Testament law was always meant for Christians learning, but never for our law. By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Romans three and verse 20. And so Paul says, don't be deceived. The law is for some people. It helps them. Verses nine through eleven. The law points out sin, but it can never save you from it. The sexually immoral, the homosexuals, murders of fathers and mothers, kidnappers. Paul says when these people hear the law, it should shock their senses into I need to find somebody to save me. It'll point them to a savior. 
But healthy instruction helps us learn how to use the Bible properly. So, yes, we quote passages. But before we quote them and reference them, we try to figure out who was being talked to. What what was the context of this? We learn the difference between law and poetry, historical books. We open up the epistles and realize, yes, we're reading someone else's mail, but it has a modern message to the church in our age and every age to come. It pushes us to say, I need to have the courage once I know the truth to speak it boldly, even if it makes other people uncomfortable and hurts their feelings. I'm going to do it in love. But truth is truth. It means, on the other hand, as well, not coming alongside God and saying, you know, God was kind of vague on that. I'll be stricter than God. I'll clear it up and help God out at not to his words, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. Proverbs thirty five and six. Healthy instruction, sound doctrine means we take the word of God and we envision in our minds the invisible penmanship of God on the front cover of all of our Bibles, which simply says, handle me with care. What does Paul say in Second Timothy two fifteen? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, correctly handling the word of truth. What does that mean? It means I can handle it incorrectly and I need to make sure that I handle it rightly because it's God's word and it's what he uses to save men and women's souls. And we do that as we handle it right. Only a healthy dose of God's word, only sound and healthy and proper teaching changes us. The healthy diet produces healthy servants of God. We use the word of God not as a sledgehammer to beat other people over the head, but really as God's call of love to a lost world that says, come home. Here's the fifth and final thing that makes sound doctrine important. It's verse 12 all the way down through verse 17 in First Timothy chapter one. And that's this sound doctrine matters. Yes, because it gives you a proper view of God. We all need that. We need to see God as he is. Yes, it guards against error. Verses three and four. That's important. Verse five. It helps us prioritize the main goal so we're not distracted. And it provides us with a healthy use of scripture. Verse six through verse 11. But here's the fifth and final thing. Sound doctrine matters because it transforms its embracers. People that take in sound doctrine are changed. Listen to Paul's words beginning in verse 12 as he uses himself just as a pattern. This is true about every Christian who's ever lived. But Paul talks about himself in verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who entrusted me, counted me faithful and put me in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, a violent aggressor. But I obtained mercy because I acted ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was overflowing in abundance and faith and love toward me, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Howbeit for me, this cause I obtain mercy that in me, Christ Jesus might show forth a pattern of long suffering for salvation to all those who would hereafter believe on him and to eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God, our savior, be honor and glory forever and ever. Paul says, amen. Why does sound doctrine matter? Because it transforms people that digest it. For Paul, he saw the risen Lord on the road to Damascus and it changed his life. And sometimes we say that. But the truth is that really didn't change his life altogether. I mean, if you're being honest, Paul seeing the resurrected Jesus couldn't have done it all for him. Because according to Matthew 28 and verse 17, others saw Jesus raised from the dead and they doubted. What made the difference with Paul? The one he saw is the one he embraced. And though the risen Jesus won't appear visually to any one of us, we can read the words that Paul wrote. And it becomes just as true and as real to us. And sound doctrine matters because it changes those that embrace it. Karl Barth was right when he said it's not just about getting the doctrine right. You've got to get the doctrine lived. And we don't get it right until we get it lived. 
Paul's writing to Timothy to say to the Christians at Ephesus and he would say to Christians in Warren County in 2023, we don't just talk a good game. We've got to live one. Healthy teaching matters because people that embrace it are supposed to be transformed. You know, sometimes we study the Bible with people and they don't become Christians. They say, I can't get with the supernatural or maybe I don't believe the gospel accounts and they're going to stand in judgment for that. But there are times when people will not become Christians. They won't lay hold on the truth. We study with them and we say, how can you not accept this? It's simple enough to me. And part of the reason may very well be because they don't believe the truth's taking hold of us. They look at our lives. And if we believe this is the life changing message which transforms the whole world and we're not changed, we shouldn't be surprised when unbelievers Respond nonchalantly and indifferent to the truth we say changes everything. Paul says, no, Christianity is not just dealing with people that our brains on a stick. No, we're spirit indwelt vessels of almighty God who've come to change the world. Our light shines in order to change it. And sound doctrine will ensure that we do. Sometimes companies advertise what they can't deliver. You remember Red Bull gives you wings, the Australian energy drink company. They were sued in 2014 by Americans collectively because we drank the Red Bull and we didn't get wings. In fact, if you drank Red Bull from 2002 to 2014, you could personally sue Red Bull if you're an American and receive your share of the lawsuit for 13 million dollars, which would be a whopping 10 dollars in American money today. They sued them because they said, look, this drink promise that it would give energy. It would supercharge its imbibers, but it really does no more than a regular cup of coffee. Nobody will ever sue God for false advertisement. You won't say, hey, you promised me. If I take in the gospel, my life's going to be changed. If I take in the teachings of New Testament Christianity and live like I should, I'm going to be different. But I've done that and I'm the same. Paul says, no, you won't be. Paul says, you'll be different. You'll be transformed. You'll be saved. Don't you know to whom you yield yourselves servants? To him you obey whether sin unto death or obedience that leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you've obeyed from the heart that form of teaching delivered to you, being made free from sin. You've become servants of righteousness. Romans 6, 16 through 18. You see, you've been changed and it always happens and it always will. Sound and healthy teaching has the power. Just the words on this page. When you read them and believe them and practice them, they can change you. Look at verse 15. It'll take the worst sinner in the world. Paul says, sinners of whom I'm chief. It takes the worst sinner. Makes him the greatest soul winner the first century knew. It takes a heart of darkness and makes it an embassy of the brightest light. It takes a violent aggressor and makes him a suffering ambassador. All for Jesus' sake. And what made the difference? Paul changed his diet. Those that dine at the master's table long enough can no longer go back and eat the food laced with poison served up by the adversary. You just can't do it. Our diets matter. Changes us. Jeffrey Dahmer's criminal life has long been documented. There have been books and movies made about his life. He was a serial killer. Many people knew that he was serving consecutive life sentences in prison. What troubles people is in 1994, a minister from the Church of Christ in Wisconsin went and studied with Dahmer and he obeyed the gospel. Shortly after that, he was killed in prison and people in the books and the articles and the movies, they asked the question about Dahmer. Are you serious? Could a man who did things like that be saved by a God like that? Could he really be saved? Was his conversion genuine, even though he did all those terrible things? Can I expect to see Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven? And we should tread lightly on how we answer it, because if we deny its power in his life, 
we inadvertently denied in our own. Every one of us this afternoon could go home and look in the mirror and point at the person that's staring back at us and say, are you serious? Could a man, could a woman like that who's done things like that be saved by a God like that? And healthy and sound teaching says, you know, it changed the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It changed the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10. And if we're honest, it's the only thing that's changed you and me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Our diets matter. Sound doctrine, healthy teaching from Scripture, it matters. We don't have to choose. In the end, what we're taught is going to shape how we view God. The error we repel or the error we embrace. What our main goal becomes in our Christian walk and how we use the scriptures. And above all, it'll change us for the better or for the worse. The good news is that the gospel still changes people's lives. It changed Paul. You read about it in verses 12 through 17. But it wasn't just for Paul. He was a pattern for everybody else who would ever believe. That's great news. That's good news. That's the gospel. And if you want to partake of what the Bible calls the bread of life, turn to Jesus in faith. Confess him as the son of God before men. We'll be happy to be witnesses to and help you as you're immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you rise from that water, you'll rise to walk in newness of life. You'll be a different person and it'll be all because you changed your diet. You took in sound doctrine and this made you a healthy person as a result. If this is your invitation, if we can pray with you or pray for you or help you in any way, David's going to lead us on to encourage us. Come now as together we stand and as we sing.